Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey everybody, welcome back into the Letterman Lounge. It is Letterman Live. It is brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun casual joint. This is a fun casual conversation about the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Rose Bowl champions. It's great to be back here after a week in California. Brought the Ohio weather uh, out there with us and the Buckeyes made the most of it. 48-45, a thrilling win over Utah. Going to break that down and so much more. Great to be back with you guys. It's Justin Zwick, Cardell Jones in the house, Bobby Carpenter, and Spencer Holbrook in for Berm, who was in for me last week. And Did a uh, wonderful job, by the way. Did the best possible job <laughs> that he could. It's always dangerous for me to leave and then just let the whole show go off the rails. <laughs> you just uh, never know. And I think it happened. But uh, kudos to me, Bob. I know that you're very curious. My score prediction was 51-45 for that game. <sighs> so my season – was a success. I just nailed it from start to finish. That's good. I mean, as long as you get the last one close, then that's all that matters, right? I guess. I mean, you know what? That's fine. It's all good. I mean, sit here, gloat. You had a lot of other ones that were big oh, scores early. early. Big oh, scores. Big scores. Big scores. Score. You lured, you lured me. Nothing. You lured me down. Oh, we all followed along. 100%. Yeah. There's the gateway drug. Oh, it yeah. make it feel so good. <laughs> Calling him, hey, 55 yeah. to 10. Done is a blowout. Let's I do know. it. I, I got a point. Austin said yeah. so. Hey, but I didn't call a blowout. <laughs> Well, I just called the shootout. And yeah. Ohio State got it the was. best of it. Uh, what did you guys think on Saturday? So one of the things I looked at when you know looking at this game, I'm like, Ohio State, the defense comes to play and they can hold them to like less than 110, 120 yards rushing. Like you'll feel good about this game. You'll be able to watch it and be comfortable because I didn't you think their comfortable? their defense would be able to slow down this offense. Like if not. There's a good chance Ohio State still wins the game, but it's not going to be an enjoyable experience. I did not fathom the fact that Ohio State would struggle offensively to start the game, and then you're down 35-21. You're like, okay, you get the ball to start the second half. You can steal this possession, get close. Maybe you get a stop. And I kept in my mission, like in the, it's the same thing with the Michigan game. Like if you can just get a score and steal a stop, get a possession, you get the lead. Maybe you can start dictate tempo a little bit, and then. Uh, CJ comes out and throws that interception to Julian Fleming. Like, oh no, <laughs> left it low and inside on the face. Like, yeah, what are we doing? Good, yeah. And thankfully, you get a little bit of luck. You get the muffed punt. Things kind of turn a little bit, and um, you feel like the momentum started swinging. That de- the defensive performance in the second half, I think, you know, outside of the offense and Jackson and how well he played, and all the young receivers, like you knew they were going to play well, just to what extent. But really, like, I was very impressed 
when you give up 35 points in the first half and you were literally beat down, they were in a quarterback sneak. So like looked like something out of Madden when you build a player that's like not real that you can't tackle. He's just stumbling around. Dudes are bouncing Takes off. Takes the first him. hit and just oh. kind of almost falls down but doesn't that, towards like, the sideline. Mel Tucker used to do something. It, there was a play that we had something similar to that that I played at Ohio State, and he literally had one of the GAs tag it in worst play of all time. Like worst, like that's something you're putting in there. Like when they run a quarterback sneak and score like a 45 yard touch, that's stuff that happens in little league. That's stuff when I was playing quarterback back in junior high. We'd sneak it on fourth and one, I miss a tackle, no, and take it 40 yards. Man. It doesn't happen in real life, not in the college football game. Not in the Rose sure Bowl. Sure as heck not in the Rose Bowl. But able to take all that in. And then come out, hold him to a field goal, and then a touchdown in the two ensuing quarters. And I don't think anybody saw that happening. And we can get in this speech by Demario McCall. I mean, Vince Lombardi, Tim Tebow, whatever the heck he is, win yeah. one for the Gipper, Newt Rock. Now, I don't know what he said in there. I wish he would have said it before the game, and then I would have yeah, right? felt more comfortable <laughs> drinking and celebrating, you know, as I'm watching it. But uh, they got it done, man. They got it done. And one, one other, two, two guys I'd like to talk a little bit about quickly. Um, Court Williams, I thought, stepped up and played really well in defense. Jailhouse? Yeah. Jailhouse, dude. He's big physical guy. He's, out, he's been battling injuries. You know, they had some coverage things they're going to have to get get cleaned up. But he, the more he's played, the better he's got. And that's what happens with young players. The more they play, the better they get. And then a guy who has been – was beaten down. He's Save playing, for your Buckeye. Well, though. we'll get to that. But seven, <laughs> he plays like 70 snaps, doesn't get a tackle, and everyone wants to bench mm-hmm. him. And like to watch Tommy Eichenberg come out and get 17 tackles in a yeah. game. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. In the second half, he was like shooting through making plays I'm like you know what like there's some limitations that he has like that's real that's real with just about every player but like okay let's put him in positions moving forward where we can see more of this and there's going to be games and not every game where not you're going game. to need him to be able to do that and so it was nice to see and they're like hey we may have kind of like pseudo checked the box like this guy can actually come in and he can help stop the run and hopefully get some more of those guys get steel coming along yep. and everybody else and then it, it'll be a good deal okay it's over uh, 12, what'd you think? I think it was a good game. You got to get credit where credit is due. I think Utah came out to play. And uh, just from, um, I mean, when has Ohio State ever played in the Rose Bowl? And um, it, I would say that their uh, the opponent fans dominated. They they showed mm-hmm. up. Yeah, allowed. yeah, yeah. They they showed up because they was uh, so supportive of their of their uh, football team out there and the things they've done all season. And um, I don't know, man. I, Bobby talking about you know just the game overall and if you know Demario would have gave a speech before the game. You know, I would go take it a little bit further. I think if Utah quarterback don't get hurt and knock out that game, I think we may be sitting here talking about something differently. Do I think the outcome would change? I don't know, but I think it would have had some type of Big time game winning drive by the Buckeyes to really uh, to to really seal the deal. But man, I get credit where credit is due. Those guys came to play, and I'm happy that you know the Buckeyes showed up in the second half because I did not anticipate you know them giving up mm-hmm. 10, 13 points in the second half after giving up 35 in the first. Yeah, pretty great adjustments. Yeah, there. oh, the, the, there were. But uh, yeah, just the way that game started off, you kind of felt a little bit like uh, <laughs> Michigan. You know, Bob talked about oh. just, you know, you're, you're, you're counting, all right, we're down how many times? All right, forget one here, it's only one, that's easy, you know. And it just didn't have a great feel to it. I think once that uh, offense got rolling for us, though, you know, I thought, and, and people talked about it all year long, and I hated it all year long, but CJ running the ball. Picks up a good first down on a scramble, and you know, and then we go on to score. Yeah. And then it's and then we're scoring. You know, I think that kind of, as a quarterback, and Cardell, you may agree or disagree, but Making that kind of play when you don't really do that a ton, yeah, that, that'll pump you up a little bit, right? That, you know, <clears throat> get a little little attitude going, yeah. then boom, then it's on, and, and your guys can kind of pick up on that in the huddle, and you know, I, I think that maybe sparked a little bit right there to to get things going because we needed to score a bunch of points, and then you know they just did what they 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 did all year long for the most part and went on. Well, and if people were wondering how much C.J. Stroud or the rest of those mm. Buckeyes that were out there cared about it. Mm. No, one hundred percent. That's the that's something you've talked about all year, Cardell. He's going to have to go out and make some of those plays and and use his legs at times. It's not going to be design runs and zone reads, but when that yardage is there and the windows yeah. aren't able to throw, he's going to have to go force it. Yeah, and he, he didn't slide because yeah. you go yeah. you go third and out again there, you know, and they go Ooh. down and get another one. It's twenty one nothing. I mean, that, that yeah. that's a big play to go and get that first down and and do something that you're not used to doing, but you're helping that yeah, team. Yeah, sure. I think this last three weeks has lit a, a different fire under C.J. Strouds. Um, you know, rear end just because of, you know, with the 
the way he finished in the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, How the whole Heisman he, went down. Yeah, just exactly. The jokes oh, and this God. and that and the other. Like, uh, you knew he was going to come out with a fire. Thanks, exactly. Desmond. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly that. And then, you know, just the bad taste, I'm pretty sure, left in the house with um, – you know, uh, uh, the Michigan game and not having, a, you know, oppor- another opportunity to uh, play with your guys because clearly, you know, the top guys are going to opt out of bowl games. It was not the playoffs. That's the that's the new day and age we live in right now, which is totally understandable in my perspective. But I, I definitely feel like, you know, he feel as if a lot of things were left undone and it was his chance to really put a, a, a nice way to end 2021 20, season with mm-hmm. you know going there having a performance of 500 plus yards yeah, almost 600 <laughs> I mean yeah. all the records Jeez. that went down nuts. yeah God, uh, Vince week, what do you got last week I said that if Ohio State got punched in the mouth if they didn't respond well to it then the first quarter of the Utah game would say a lot more than the third quarter of the Michigan game did because of the way that you know you don't really have a reason to be there other than just pride to play in the Rose Bowl. They got punched in the mouth, and, and they made the most of it. A couple times. Yeah, they got they got punched hard in the first half. Whether it's going down 14 nothing, that is, that's a reality check there really quick against a good physical Utah team. Whether it's, you know, you finally get some momentum and score a touchdown, and there goes Britton Covey down the sideline for a, a kick return that took all that momentum that you had and just And Landon Ransom's laying on the ground with a broken leg. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You get it. You know, oh. one of your guys is carted off the field. At the same time, Utah's getting those seven points back. And, and that thing could have gotten sideways really quickly. And Utah could have ran away with a game mm-hmm. and, and really embarrassed Ohio State, sent them into an offseason with, you know, a lot of questions, even more than we still have about this team after a win. But to, to rally around everybody and to rally around a guy like Demario McCall at halftime. You know, a guy who's been who, there seven years. Yeah, who's so, you know Is that it? So, it seems like six, longer six, than that. Six, but that's a long I had time. to I had to do a double check. He play, like, he played with Josh Perry. I was like he played no. with you. <laughs> no, no, no. No, he was are you sure? Yeah, he didn't play. He was a year after us. He came in at 16. 16. <laughs> yeah. Count him up, Bob. Yeah, we all lost. <laughs> so, yeah, he did. Missed you by a year. Still. He missed you by that's a year. lot. Of, a lot of, of, just listen, listen, him on I his I've seen, seen him on recruiting trips. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's enough right there. But for the unsung guys <laughs> to make plays on this defense, you know, Tommy Eichenberg stepping up. He's not really unsung, but he's a guy who's been doubted all season. Uh, Cade Stover having, I think, six tackles when <laughs> he was playing tight end two weeks ago. And then a guy like Teron Vincent, who is a yeah, was a five star guy, who really you know hasn't made a lot of plays in his career that are worth talking about. To have the kind of game that he did in the middle, yep. to to keep Tavian Thomas in check, and we and needed him to have because Haskell is not being there. I mean, you needed him to step up, and I think he did. Those are the kind of guys where when your defense is is really down bad, and the veterans who don't normally step up start to make those plays or start to give those speeches, that's when you can really start to turn this thing around. And I think you saw the the building blocks, even if some of these guys move on, uh, you know, to the next level or, or or leave the program. Some of the building blocks that were set on New Year's Day are going to be felt in October and November next year. I mean, uh, the linebacker position, they I think they only dress like four or five guys. I mean, that, that's, that's all... counting Cade Stover. That's, that's five scholarship players. Yeah, so that's like warm bodies, everybody. And, you know, uh, EO hadn't played a lot as well. I mean, he'd been battling some COVID injuries and yep. some different things. So like, he's thrown back in there after being out for a couple of weeks. I mean, it was really kind of an all-hands-on-deck. People were like, this Cade Stover experiment. I'm like, it's not an experiment. It's literally <laughs> yeah. like all it's they des- got. It's you desperation. Like, you think yeah. I like driving around my car with a donut on it? No, I got to do it because that's I got it. a flat tire. Yeah, that's okay. it. That's the only one that was available. <laughs> that's it. Okay? I'm going to go get a full spare when I've got some time. But right now, I need to get where I'm going. And so that was kind of the, the mantra. And honestly, it worked out really well because this was a game. If they were playing a spread team, Maybe you can go with less linebackers, but you know, Cade is kind of the perfect guy. And it's hard not playing defense all year. It's not like they go practice tackling with the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's like, hey, right. then you got to be out here tackling all of a sudden. It's something they spend a lot of time on. So, you know, he, he has to come over and do that, but it's a perfect game from a standpoint of Cade is a big physical dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the fastest guy you're going to find, but they did a ton of YY, two tight ends over there. It's like, okay, bro, you weigh 250. Get on these, just bang on these dudes. Yep. Set an edge, knock them back, and be that guy. Bang it on dudes. That's what I told him. That's what it's all about there. And let them know. Let them feel you, sir. Let them feel you right there and set a tempo for that offense. So yeah, put that weight on them. They were, able, they were able to get that done. And it was just out of necessity, and it didn't look pretty in the kickoff return. Dude, you want to talk about punch that guy? I like I had blocked that out because 
you know, until Chives brought it up because I wanted to forget because at that point, like, okay, they, go, yeah, they, they can go. get a stop. Yeah. They go get a score and tie it up. But it's like, oh, no. <laughs> My wife's like, what? did he just run that back? I'm like, yeah. Because usually, like, you turn away. No one even returns kickoffs yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But People against us do because we don't have a kicker that can put it in the end zone, apparently. Well, it's they use that strategy. Yeah, and more often than not, they succeed keeping teams inside the 25. But Utah – we saw that against Oregon. He's a like, dangerous return guy. Yeah. Return yeah. guy. Yeah. Maybe just go. The end of the game, we're letting him just, hey, let's see if you can take another one like, back. Here like, we go. Noah Ruggles can definitely get it there. And the fact that they kept continuing to kick it mm-hmm. short, it wasn't windy in the Rose Bowl. I thought that was a strange choice. And then they even did it with nine seconds yeah, that one. in the game. Like, If uh, anyone you're going to kick out of the end yeah, zone, this is it, right? The one. You know, put, it, not lo- yeah. put it anywhere. Mind blowing. Yeah. When they when Ohio State gets back on offense after that kick return, you're like, okay, if this is a quick possession, then then it might go really sideways. Well, it was a quick possession yeah. because it was a strike over the middle to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, okay, so good. We, uh, hold on, we just went I think ten minutes into this show without, yeah, without talking, even talking about, about him. I mean, listen, well, I thought we'll, we'll we were going to get him yeah. in the Buckeye leaves here. <laughs> yeah, we'll get him there. This th- remarkable. I don't know if we ha- any of us have a word to say about him because, like, I couldn't think of a word at the end of the game to, to describe. You know what my word exactly is? Describe what he did. It's two words: Jameson Williams. Because I had to listen to everybody say, "How did you <laughs> let this guy leave all year?" And I'm like, "Believe me, the guy that is going to play there was the guy that we saw finally when you cleared the dance floor for him." Mm-hmm. And you know, and nothing against Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson; they're great players. They're going to be first round draft picks. And then you let this guy play, and you're like, "Well, okay, maybe, maybe you feel a little bit better about." He was going to be number three, and James was going to be number four, and they'd rotate and do some stuff, and he didn't want to share it. But Jackson, I mean, by displaying that, and even the last couple of games, I mean, he has played really, really well. There, this, yeah, I understand. Different players, though. I think if Jameson would have stayed, he would have been more on an outside threat. As oh, yeah. Chris, yeah. because that's what he's really known for, taking the top, <clears throat> taking the top <clears throat> off the defense. Mm-hmm. I think out of those three receivers at Ohio State, um, with – Pick your poison or what you want them to do. I think Jackson is the guy because of the things he's able to do. He just understands it. I watch him run routes. I watch him during the game and things like that. And you, you can tell he just understands space. Not saying these other guys don't, right. but he's that guy that's like a Keenan Allen that don't have the top end blazing speed and beat you on a deep ball. But if I catch a slant or two, I can take it to the house. Mm-hmm. He's that guy you can put on the outside. He's that guy you put on the inside, pick your poison. He's that type of guy. And Olave and Wilson is more of your traditional Olave take the top off the defense. Great, great, clearly a first-round receiver. And Wilson can run any route in the playbook. But are you going to put those guys on the inside? Probably not. Probably not. But yeah. Jackson is a guy you can put anywhere. Well, Including it's hard, out of it's the hard. backfield in this game. Yes. Yeah. A new wrinkle. It's hard to call a timeout. I saw him in the backfield. <laughs> timeout. I don't know what mm-hmm. he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, but something, never something, seen something's going to yeah. be bad. Yeah. Yeah. And he, run, he runs a freaking angle route on your linebacker. And oh, it's it because if you, if you don't have a corner in there, you're like, all right, well, it's zoned. Yeah. yeah. They were playing. Yeah. They got, but look, even if that, though, you put a corner. You How put, do you go? You want to put a corner at middle linebacker? It screws up your run fit. Exactly. They had a running back at cornerback. I mean, that helped. That's not for Forget that they had three of their what top four cornerbacks they out were, in this yeah, game. They were shorthanded. Um, now I'm don't I'm not taking anything away from, but we should have went out and had, which made it weird the times that they were like, well, let's throw on Clark Phillips. So they are like, <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> He's the one guy that corner yeah. that was committed to Ohio State and a five star. Uh, we could I think we could talk about this game in particular heading into the offseason for about ten hours, but we're going to try not to. We got a lot of other things to cover, including our mm-hmm. Buckeye leaves brought to you by Roosters. I believe. <clears throat> We have mozzarella sticks for Appetizer Tuesday. This That's, week. The That's, That's the rumor. That's the rumor. Make sure you check here, it. anyways. Yeah, but somewhere there will be two dollar appetizers tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be something. It looks like mozzarella sticks unless we eat them all today. Um, Nicole texted me. I will just, let her look at this mozzarella stick, by the way. Well, that's that's a two for one right there. Yeah, the double They're together. Taking it home it counts as one oh. mozzarella stick. Two sticks are better than one. I think this will help everybody because Nicole's taking a little bit of a surprise pick. Noah Ruggles was her Ooh. Buckeye Leaf. I think probably just because she was really excited about the wave at the end. At the end, that was a little, that was a little cocky. Drop, I so a little, bit, little bit of swagger. Uh, but Noah Ruggles with two two field goals in the game winner. That's Nicole's Buckeye Leaf. She'll be back next Monday. She had a, a busy week leading that bowl trip <coughs> giveaway that's now in the rearview mirror. I believe it went off with uh, out at Hitch and a lot of success. So she earned a day off from us. She'll be back next week, Bob. You already gave two players, but do you have another Buckeye leave? I mean, can I just like resubmit? Sure. I mean, those guys, like, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we got them in and gave them their ample time sure. just because of, 
you know, Court, he's been beat up, he's been hurt, and he's a heck of an athlete. And you look at him, like, how physically gifted he is. I mean, he's going to do some really good things. And I'm not a big believer in momentum from a team winning a bowl game, carrying over to next season as far as an entire team. But I do believe, like, in individual players, because coaches can see that, and like, all right, yeah. we've seen him do this in practice a little bit, but it's always a projection. Can they take it to the game? And so you got to see Court Williams do some things like, okay, well, there's going to be some space opening up. We need to find a way to integrate him into our defense. Let's start building things around him in the spring, what he does well. All right, Tommy Eichenberg, this is what you do well. You know, we're going to find a way to put you in situations where you're able to have success because when we put you there, like, you did a pretty good job against some, you know, certain situations. So those two guys, like, they get Buckeye leaves. They played really well in the second <laughs> half. I know there's a million guys on <laughs> offense that we could give them all to with everything they've seen, but – you know, both of those dudes, younger guys, you know, and you know, one kind of criticized throughout the year for lack of production, another one who, you know, been just been waiting to see who's been maligned by injury. Yeah. And so I, I love when they can finish the season feeling good and confident. And, like, frankly, part of the thing on defense, like you need some leaders. And I think those guys, when you play well like that, you mm-hmm. can establish yourself as a leader and establish your voice going in the offseason. I'm going to have to go with uh, – Nicola, speaking about that field goal, I'm going to – I didn't like the field goal, by the way, in the time the management league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, horrible. Yeah, but, but anyway, didn't yeah, I didn't understand it at all. But anyway, <laughs> uh, my buck I leave has to go to, I'm going to say, Marvin Harrison Jr. Because we knew that, <clears> you know, it was going to be a heavy pass game. We knew that, you know, clearly he had to focus on Jackson and things he had done to this point of the season. They still couldn't stop him. But the, when his number was called, he performed and he showed up. I mean, six catches, three touchdowns. Uh, with, 70, 80 yards, um, but making some big-time catches yeah. in a situation like that where he you know, didn't see much of playing time, but you know, seeing as, as, as much as the biggest, biggest stage of his career so far, and for him to go out there and have three touchdown catches, um, unbelievable. So I'm going I'm to go with Marvin. CJ called him Route Man Marv. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what's funny, man? And it's, uh, you know, I trained with a guy, uh, Donovan, and we spoke about this earlier this year. Donovan McNabb played mm-hmm. with Marvin's, uh, Marvin's dad <clears throat> in college. And he said his dad was the best route runner he ever oh, seen. Yeah. And at this point, when I was out there training with Donovan in April, I think the spring game had just happened or something. And he was like, man, he looked like his dad. The way he Except he's route. way bigger. Yeah. yeah. He said well, Marvin's way, not a big dude. Oh, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. And he said the way he run routes and stuff, he said, man, his dad. But that's pretty cool to hear. And then clearly awesome. it's in his jeans. But pretty cool <laughs> to hear that his quarterback is already raving about his route running ability. And a lot to look uh, forward to. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Exactly. I mean, shoot, Mike said it. He think he got – you know, including Jameson from last year, I think he got seven first round receivers in that in that room. And I I think we <laughs> saw I think we saw two more, you know, potentially yeah. three, uh, you know, in the Rose Bowl. Might want to drop off a bag at Brian Hartline's office. Yeah, no doubt. Just uh, <laughs> send him a check and say, yeah. fill this out, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what would you blanks, like? Yeah. Fill in a blank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fill in please a blank, fill buddy. Fill this out yeah. and get back to us. Uh, <laughs> what do you need? Let's see. I, I'm going to schlegel it up here a little. Oh, bit. oh, oh yeah. Jason, but it's Never really not. It's really not that it. many. You know, you, you got to throw one out. <laughs> you got to throw one out to CJ because what? What a game. Yeah. Um, I mean, what? Nine incompletions, I think it was. One with being an interception. I mean, like incredible. Go out. Now we knew he should have had that kind of game going against a secondary that was depleted, but. Offense gave him enough, you know, line gave him time to throw the ball, go through his reads. He was remarkable. Um, then I'm going to go off the rails. Bob kind of already mentioned him, 35-6. and six. Kind of watched the replay yesterday in that second half. Those guys kept popping out, you know, a little bit here and there. Now, not maybe huge plays, but they were making plays. Yeah. And, you know, in that 10-point half that we had in the second half, we had to have. So the defense stepped up. I think those were two guys that, that kind of helped uh, along the way. And then uh, Emeka Ibuka. I think it was over 150 yeah. yards returning yeah. yards. I mean, that, that's big time to get you out from inside your, uh, you know, your end zone and, and give that offense some some breathing room. Well, he's so left I, like I think 40 on the shelf with a penalty well, too. Yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, you know, I think that I think that's big to have. And you know, we talked about their returner. We we had a pretty good one ourselves, and yep. excited to see what he will do moving forward as well with these young wideouts. All right, is that so, all? Sorry, yeah, that's that was all. It was just a mini. It was a mini schlag. Mini schlags. All right, I'm gonna give mine to uh, the. Whether it's Jackson, whether it's Marvin, uh, even Julian Fleming, like the wide receiver room to come together. Brian Hartline, and, maybe and replace. Yeah, <laughs> I, but you know he's he does so much, but he's not the the one out there yeah. making those plays. And for these wide receivers to replace the, play, I think he'd like to be though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if he could play in those joggers that only go like halfway down his calf, I think he would still be playing. It's called style, Spence. <laughs> style. But the guys 
for stepping up and replacing that production in in the room that needed to be replaced. And, and it wasn't just Jackson. You know, everybody's going to point to what Jackson did, but Julian Fleming had a couple really nice catches. You know, Emeka, the over the shoulder catch on the oh yeah the mm. great read that CJ had to get the ball down the field, um, the pinpoint accuracy of CJ, but also the guys to catch it and the focus that comes with those over the shoulder or the back shoulder throws. And then, you know, so I guess it's just the wide receiver room as a collective, but also like. I do want to shout out, and I, you know, he didn't play, but Chris Olave opts out of the game, can go anywhere in the country and train. He chose to stay for another week, train with his guys, lead them on the field. You know, when they're coming off the field, you're seeing, I was seeing on TV, you know, Chris is in there, you're talking to him. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a leader, a guy who knows that if he breaks an ankle or tears an ACL in this game, you know, his, his draft stock could plummet potentially because he's not going to get a workout for guys. So, you know, kudos to him for opting out, but to opt out, but then also stay with the team, travel with the team, uh, teach the team, and and teach these young guys. That last week of training that that Chris Olave gave to Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka, Jaden Ballard, those guys probably will never forget that. And and to be able to take that training into into the off season, Chris Olave deserves a lot of credit for what he did. And I don't, I'm not going to blame Garrett Wilson or Haskell Garrett or Nicholas Petit for for not being there because you can go train anywhere that you want, and and you've earned the right to be out of this game because you're good enough that you don't need to play. But for Chris to take that leadership mantle and, and to, mm-hmm. to really do that, it says a lot about who Chris is. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, <clears throat> that's a great point. I remember hearing the reports and the rumors at first that, you know, these guys are opting out. I just seen a picture of him walking into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But for him to still be around those guys, and, you know, it, I think it speaks to a point where, you know, Bob can attest to this, Justin, when you have a, a guy that's hurt, especially on the NFL level, when the guy's hurt, you go out somewhere else and get service and train and, and treatment on other stuff. But when it's a true leader, a guy that's for his team, you know, whatever he's doing, he's going to be around the facility as much as possible. <laughs> and there, a, a guy that kind of reminds me of that, of JT Barrett when you know him and Braxton actually were hurt during that season and how much Braxton was in our quarterback room still and meeting rooms and helped JT become that starter and then you know um, the things that he was able to do as a retro freshman and then vice versa when JT get hurt and him still being around me and he was a guy I always talked to right when I hit the sideline You know, where he could have been, you know, somewhere else doing rehab in a booth or, Mm -hmm. you know. But like like I said, that that just speaks to the uh, leadership of these guys. I mean, you know, going back to that season of 14, shoot, uh, Braxton wasn't playing, but we played up in Minnesota, part of the coldest game I ever – part of the coldest day I ever been a part of my life. You know, only game I ever prayed not to get into it was so cold. (laughs) Seriously, though. Seriously, keep it close, Minnesota. (laughs) You know, know, they got out and they did. Yeah, exactly. I think we ended up winning by seven points. But to see this guy, Braxton, on the sideline, to continue to encourage and talk to JT about different looks and think about this and think about that. And he goes out to have the longest, slowest, longest, slowest, longest, run. slowest yeah. run, and you know, and uh, sports, <laughs> and which history. is probably what those young receivers take from Chris being there more than just maybe exactly. showing them technique or this or that. Just hey, man, this is what a real leader looks like. This is what exactly. we have to strive to be in this exactly. room. And this is how we get year after year after year of players coming through here who really understand what it's about, how to be great, and, and what it takes. The sheer joy on Chris Olave's face after the game. I saw a couple people, different people had interviewed him and talked to him, and you see clips of him. He doesn't show a lot of emotion, but no. to be as happy as he was <laughs> after the game, that he didn't even play in, but yeah. the confetti's raining down, I, you know, that's a guy who needs a Rose Bowl ring. I, I know he didn't play, but I think <laughs> that's the kind of guy who, who needs a ring. He, he wanted to be around the Buckeyes the whole week, and he was one of the last people to leave the Rose Bowl Stadium. He kept going back and forth outside the tunnel, just you know, hugging people and coaches and, and other players. And he'd walk up to the bus, and then he'd come right back mm-hmm. down. He'd, he did, you could tell he didn't want it to be over, and that's why he was torn. He wasn't going to play all last week. He had already had his physical, his exit physical, before they left Columbus. That happened. I don't know where the storyline came from that he was thinking about playing. That was never an option for mm-hmm. him. But he wanted to be there, and then he didn't want it to be over. Um, that's a guy who who loved and gave everything he had to Ohio State. Could he have played one more? Sure, but why would he didn't need to? Um, my Buckeye leaf to wrap it up, since they're all very good choices. I'm going to throw one out to the unsung hero for <coughs> me, which is Mitch Rossi. Hey, uh, part of the reason that Cade Stover was able to be surplus to demands and go play <laughs> at linebacker is that Mitch Rossi could go out there and do all the blocking. They could throw it to him. Uh, on that play action, and he showed a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude to cut that back to the middle of the mm-hmm. field, mm. turn that into a 22-yard game. I, right I, I walked up to him afterwards. I said, you're just you're just crazy. Uh, you just love contact. You're not afraid of it. Fearless. 
that was a big play. Jeremy Ruckert played pretty well for his last game with Ohio State. Maybe you can lump in uh, the whole tight end unit and Kevin Wilson's work with them. Stover, I, I asked him after the game, he's like, man, you just seem to love it there at linebacker. You're going back. And he's like, I don't think so. I mean, that's You look <laughs> at the way that, that that group has been reshaped and the toughness they showed, you give them a lot of credit. And Mitch Rossi, uh, Ohio State would very much like for him, I think, to use that COVID year and come back. Uh, former walk-on has definitely made the most of his time at Ohio State. For now, that's going to be a wrap on what happened in the Rose Bowl. We've got a lot of other discussions about what was going on outside of it uh, when we come back after this break on Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. Fun casual joint. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Precision engineering, rigorous attention to detail. A Bryant Evolution heating system is so well designed, it's as much of a joy to install as it is to use. Good to go. For the dealer nearest you, visit Bryant.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, welcome back into the Letterman Lounge, wrapping up the 2021 season. Hope everybody had a great New Year, a great Rose Bowl. And if you were watching on a second screen, you were probably uh, curious about what the hell was happening with Marcus Williamson, uh, who was not with the team last week, wasn't playing in the Rose Bowl, and had a lot of interesting commentary about what was happening for his uh, now former teammates and a lot of other uh, interesting accusations um, and his own experiences. You know, we can't really say for sure what goes through these minds, and everyone is going to view things differently during their time in the program. The three of you know that better than anybody. Uh, it's not the same, but as you watched what happened and the timing of it and the message that he had, you guys are part of the brotherhood. What what did you think on Saturday with that part of it separate from the game and happening at the same time? I always find the irony when people who should be at the game or not at the game, and then they take the social media to talk about not even really what was happening at the game, but like the totality of their time and duration with Ohio State. You know, Marcus Williamson, he's a Westerville kid. I've always, I've always had great, very positive interactions with him. I've enjoyed him. I mean, there's some things that he could have done to improve as a player. Um, you know, but like the accusations he had about you know, the exploit. Okay, we we can get in the conversation about our players, you know, taking advantage of as far as their worth and everything. And right now, the irony is like we're the NIL stuff is just passed, so and we're talking about guys making stuff, all this right? money. Yeah. And so it's it started to change. Like yeah. if beforehand, that may have been different. Yeah. You know, but then you know the accusations of race and stuff with Urban and all these different things. And you know, Cardell played for Urban. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of other guys that did. I've, I've heard things that Urban is. A jerk, but but he always discriminated against everyone equally. Yeah, equally, yeah. He's a, yeah. I never once saw him talk differently to anybody. Equal oh. opportunity hater. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Listen, his his hate, his demeanor, his yeah. coaching style don't have a preference. No, you know, if you're a person that's adding uh, or it's not adding value to the program, to him trying to win football games to the, to the program, yeah, yeah. exactly. He's going to hate you just as much as anyone else. Um, and, and, and I think hate is a strong hey, word. Hate's not the word. He's he going to treat you the yeah, he's, he's going to treat even, you. You're yeah. not even in his tunnel. I didn't even play for the guy, but just exactly. being around him a little bit, I can tell. Like, exactly. You're out here if you can't help him win a football game. Exactly. He's going to treat you the exact yeah. same way. Because at the end of the day, but I think what players in this day and age now, and I, and I said this 
about Urban's coaching style, Urban coaching style, and all the reports was coming out about the Jacksonville uh, fire and all this other stuff. I said his coaching style. The reason why I think he'd never coach again, especially in college football, and he don't want to, is because of his coaching style. The day and age has changed. Mm-hmm. These kids cannot, and, and these men cannot be pushed to their limits as they used to. Clearly, when you guys mm-hmm. play. And I got I think I was the last part of that culture and that environment of <clears throat> being coached hard. Exactly. That's how I say it. And, and, and and really if we if it's a if it's I wanna say a verbal abuse, but you know, a, a verbal shellacking, um, <laughs> to a point where you questioning, do you really want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without saying, yeah. oh, this guy hates me. Right. He's mm-hmm. racist. Oh, what is it? it? It's not me. It's him. It's so much of we, not we. They look at an excuse for why something's not going their way. And it's usually blaming someone else. And I think all the stuff that came out, man, I, I can't speak for his experiences through Ohio State, but I can speak for his interactions with maybe a particular coach car as far as coach Meyer a racist bone in his body I don't know I surely didn't see yeah. because I would say I was one of the guys that that put a few extra gray hairs and maybe <laughs> some strain on that heart of his and I know a couple other guys of different skin color did the same and we both in Dom patrol or running extra lap <laughs> oh, yeah. saying screw both that guy yeah. sharing stories I can't yeah. stand him both on the climber. Yeah, saying, oh, I, I, I hate him. <laughs> he hate me. Oh, he hates uh, you too. Uh, yeah, uh, I so, think you and Jake Stoneburner have the same uh, situation. Remind Jesus, me the, remind me of the editing process with this. <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, and 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 some of the things that you know he said that Coach Meyer did or said, I'm gonna ruin your life and all this other stuff, man, dude. Clearly, he's talking about on the football field. Clearly, he's talking about he's gonna make things harder for you. You think this guy, if you had a positive drug test, he's gonna go out and tell oh, every, you on the every pack, coach. Hey, yeah, good job. But right, but you think he gonna tell every corporate murder don't hire this guy back in back in <laughs> yeah. seventeen he had a positive drug test mm-hmm. like I think guys take it like when they think their coach is coaching them too hard or maybe a coach really don't like a player because players don't like coaches. You think he don't like you as a person, or he think he won't help you as a person, or you think he feels like way you as a person. Because this is how I always know if a coach really you know, don't like a player. You ask about that player. He said, well, well he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah. What do you think about? Oh, he, he's a good dude, man. He get good grades. <laughs> uh, you know. He helps the GPA. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> great, great but, guy off the field and yeah. not, not a good family. Yeah. A great family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Start, yeah. It's all, no, I'm talking about can he play on the field. Well, he can, he can play a life. Yeah. But <laughs> It's just I don't know, man. Like I said, I can't speak for the kid experiences at Ohio State, but I, you know, and I, I know you guys can test this, and and ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the guys I talked to the last few days can test this too. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Uh, well, our our experience. Wasn't yeah, like for your that. experience. And this, and this isn't none of this is meant to diminish Marcus Williamson's feelings yeah. about it, and he said it, and you can take it seriously. And I'm not trying to discredit that part of it in any way. Mm-hmm. Just the presentation of it, uh, and then the really vocal sort of response to that by not just you, Cardale, but so many other people who were in the room at that same time and then factoring in, well, you're doing this in the middle of the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, after four games, Marcus Williamson is one of those people who had a foot out the door. He talked about this publicly when he he was ready to give up on this season and wanted to be a great team leader and come back and be with the brothers and he played pretty well after that, but you're not with the team at that point. There's reasons for that. And then to kind of hijack the moment after everything you had said in September selfish. about the decision to be selfless, like that was the message, and to give to the rest of those guys and to play really hard, like that's, I think, what muddies the message for me. And yeah. again, that's not to – he can say what he feels, and I will take it seriously 100%, yeah. but – I just I, I struggle there's with the time. There's a time and a place to yeah. do something like that, right? Yeah. The time when your place. brothers are out on the field playing a game where nobody else is seeing what's going on or can defend themselves, type thing, uh, is isn't the time for me. I when I first saw it, though, and maybe nobody else thought of this, but we had a guy walk off in the middle of a game this year. Mm-hmm. It's like we have a guy doing this in the middle, you know, yeah. tweeting in the middle of a game this year. We have a guy leaving. Like, what? I don't know if it's. Just this new era of college football, or, or with the portal, just knowing they have opportunities to go other places or whatnot. But it's two instances like that. 
in one season oh, for a program please. like Ohio State, I feel I, like it doesn't usually happen. I think part of it, too, is it, it is a little bit of a new era, and that's why recruiting now is so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the physical skill set of what oh, yeah. guys bring. It's, yeah. it's the ability of, like, per, to persevere through, like, a little bit of adversity. Yeah. I mean, everybody in their career, like, you doubt – a little bit and anyone will tell you they don't I think it's crazy mm-hmm. but you get to a place like Ohio State and it's like man these coaches are really hard on me the guys are really good like <laughs> you know I mean this isn't what I thought it was, this gonna be, like, thought oh, it was going to be yeah. mm-hmm. and so you have to make that decision like alright well let's get back to the drawing board and let's work a little harder and try to figure out and like solving it have the answers to these problems and yeah. so but what you just said right there is the problem though what's easier for me to go to the drawing board look in the mirror oh, yeah. figure it out self or blame, blame everybody you else. or transfer portal yeah. Yeah, so, which it's not on. This is not going to trust work. I'm off for the portal and things like that. But yeah. I think it, it has eliminated some of the toughness factor of these coaches yeah. can be on these players, you know, and that gives these players an easy cop out to. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he's yelling at me for two days straight. Let me go see what my mm-hmm. other options. I guess are. You know, how say goes for a cornerback in the portal. Well, we can't bring him in because we might get these guys. Well, we, some we of it is bringing bringing in the right guys. But yeah, I look at yeah, yeah. I look at yeah, what Hartline. Don't bring up Ricks again. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> it's that type of, of it's that type of thought process yeah. though. Well, yeah. part of it is you're if, depending if you're bringing in a dude who might not be a high quality individual. Do you want him around younger players? One hundred percent. You know, it's like what are we incentivizing here? We tell people that working hard matters and doing the right things. Well, if you've done all the right things and you're a good young player, let's give you a shot. And I think that's what uh, the room that you can say does this the best, maybe the best in the country, is bringing in highly competitive guys and then put getting them to push each other and not being salty and surly. Maybe when they're got not the dude, but with what Brian Hartline has done. Room, yeah. yeah, I mean, like all those guys, like you can watch them practice. Like they should all be on the field, and they they know they should be on the field, and he doesn't doesn't like lie to them and say, well, you shouldn't. This guy's – the reason why you're not is because this guy might just be a little bit better than you. Yep, we'll keep working. I'll mm-hmm. get you to where you need to be. But you have to have that relationship, that trust, and you have to bring in guys who aren't so self-centered and egotistical. It's like, well, if it's not happening on my timeline, mm-hmm. then it's not good enough for me. Even if your timeline in your head – because everybody always thinks they're better than what they are. Right. Exactly. And so, like, you always have some deficiencies. And as good as Jackson is, I guarantee you talk to him like, well, I can still work on this, this, and this. And I know these guys are pushing too, so I got to keep pushing to be where I, you know, I want to stay on top. You guys make a great point. And I I talked to a few of those guys in that room. I'm not going to bring up our personal conversations, but that's what they say. You know, earlier in the year, and I I just tell about one of these guys to me or something like, you know, I I went to his house after a game. Like, dude, you you okay? Yeah. Don't, don't let it, don't let this discourage you. You know, Took me four years to get on the field. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Hit me where it hurt. (laughs) I was like, continue to work on you. And like, that's that mindset I'm going to take. But a lot of these guys, like, oh, I ain't playing these good to me. I'm out of here. And they view the reason why they're not playing as someone else's fault, Mm -hmm. which a lot of times it's like, hey, you need to get better at this. That's what I'm saying. That's the easy way out for to blame someone else. They don't like me. He recruited past me and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, I went to a situation I wouldn't this guy's recruit, period. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and still try to fight and claw my way on the field. Yeah. JC, I did think about Kavon Pope a little bit when when he was sending when Williamson was sending mm-hmm. tweets and stuff. Yeah. But the thing that I thought about it when, even when when the Pope thing happened, Kavon Pope was not recruited as a, as a Ryan Day player. He was recruited under Urban Meyer. Uh, Marcus Williamson the same way was recruited under Urban Meyer. Dallas not, Gant. Under, mm-hmm. Dallas Gant under Urban Meyer, not Ryan Day. The transition seemed so seamless three years ago mm-hmm. from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. I think with the COVID year, it kind of prolonged some of these some things that might, might have but happened. I also think there are some guys who that transition was not easy for, and it, it might just start to be bubbling up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's a little off base. But the guys that you've seen, you know, Dallas Gantt, uh, Kavon Pope, of course, you know, a very public exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Williamson now having a very public exit. Those were not Ryan Day guys. And, uh, you don't. It's not that Ryan Day, you know, doesn't like them. It's not that the current coaching staff didn't like them. But that transition, uh, you know, is a longer transition yeah. because of the COVID year. Some things just might not have worked out for these guys who didn't come to play for Ryan Day and didn't come to play for this coaching staff, but but did, and then realized exactly how it was going to be in a non-COVID year. And just sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out. And so yeah, yeah, I'm you're not, right. It don't sometimes it don't work out. That don't mean you start calling mm. program yeah, no, racist. No, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm know? not saying that at all. I just think that. <laughs> You know, the transition may not have been as easy for all the guys as it seemed for Urban Meyer, you know, 
winning a Rose Bowl to Ryan Day immediately coming in yeah. and picking up the mantle. Like it, it wasn't as easy for everyone as it as it was for yeah, as it appeared outside. Yeah. Just yeah, there's some there's there's a couple rocky things in there that happen when when you go from you know you think you're coming in to play for Urban Meyer. And well, Austin told me rocky things only happen at Rocky Top, so <laughs> rocky. we're uh, in yeah. Columbus. They, and they that's primarily not- happen there. Um, but I, I think that what Spencer's bringing up is an interesting point because you're, this is now, you know, off season to get it ready for year four, and there's a push pull where Ryan Day had said from the start hey, that the foundation is in place here. You have Mickey Murata, you have Mark Pantoni, you have all these things that that Urban built and and the machine works. But Ryan Day didn't just get the keys and say, "Hey, be Urban." Like. And he's got to put his own stamp on mm-hmm. it, and that nobody and, wants that. That's right. I mean, they're, they're, that goes to the players, that goes to the coaching staff. I think you're looking at that, and I, I've had conversations with people. Well, could Chris Ash be a candidate for Ohio State as a defensive coordinator? Well, let's not just keep going back into the past if you're Ohio mm-hmm. State, and and let Ryan Day, you know, put his influence and put his mark on that program. And I think he is doing that, and you'll see that. I think Jim Knowles uh, started on Sunday. He's going in. You know that the, that's a swap there with Matt Barnes going out. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's we'll Barnes going? Memphis, Memphis. DC. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about a change with the offensive line coach, and Greg Stradrawas had had health issues um, that he's had to deal with. We'll see exactly what transpires in this week ahead. But this off season, again, it, you're talking about these guys, Pope and Gant and and Marcus Swimson. They're gone. Okay, that's going to continue to keep happening. Where all the players that will be in there will have been. You know, brought in by uh, Ryan Day at the top, or increasingly with a coaching staff that is uh, hired and handpicked by him, and that's that's just part of it. This was an interesting, uh, nothing as we say went relatively smoothly. They won a bunch of games, but for Ryan Day to take control, that wasn't going to happen overnight, mm-hmm. and that wasn't going to be easy for everybody, coaches, players, everybody. That's that's tough. Like Ryan Day has to assert his influence, and if players, you know, didn't enjoy it in the end. I'm certainly going to listen to their experiences. Yeah, yeah it's weird, man, because <clears throat> earlier this uh, – about two weeks ago, I, I did an interview and I was talking about, you know, different things. And one of the things came up was Coach Meyer and my time at Ohio State. Yeah. I was like, man, everybody, you know, for the most part, everybody know that me and Coach Meyer have a great relationship with Ohio State. You know, by design, though. You know, and when, when people – when I say that, people, eyes get big because they think I'm about to drop some dirt. Mm. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Even though things did happen bumpy yeah. between me and him and the coaching staff, whatever, but that's between us. And it wasn't nothing as I questioned their love for me or or wanted me to be better. I just say by design because he put so much emphasis on his position coaches to have those relationships. And then I said, Coach Meyer ruined my college experience. Now everybody eyes get big. What did he say? What did he say? What did he do? What did he do? And I said, and I took the ownership of it, you know, being able to look back and, and see what type of coach he was and the style that he was bringing. I was recruited by a guy named Jim Trestle. You guys play for him. Um, and his coaching style, his way he ran his program was completely different from Urban Meyer, night and day. Um, and that was just me from being a recruit, recruiting trips and seeing what type of guy, seeing what type of person I wanted to play for. Now imagine, I said, imagine me walking into that mindset and then getting a, it's changed over one day, changed over one night because you got a new coach. Mm-hmm. And everything that I loved about Ohio State, everything was mainly because of this football program and what things Coach Trussell was doing, not because of Urban Meyer. So I'm walking in here with this one mindset, okay, I think things are going to be the same, and boom, they're, they're completely different. I said, that would ruin it for me personally in the beginning. And I said, I wasn't mature enough to really adapt to buy into what he was selling at the time because I had my mind made up on how things are going to be for the next mm-hmm. four or five years of my career yeah. with this guy, this coach staff that I grew to love. <clears throat> right? I said, that's what ruined it for me in the beginning. And Oh, you and Nick Siciliano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and his quads and his freaking quads. Right. Um, so Poor that's, Nick Siciliano. <laughs> so that was Catch my. Yeah. So that was my later. experience with the with the whole it. thing with Ohio State. I said he ruined my experience. But um, for, for a guy like Marcus and, and whatever messed up his experience or whatever he viewed as things didn't go his way. How about reflect and take ownership on why didn't they? Because it was, it was. I bet you was having a lot of fun at Ohio State when you were playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now things change because of a coaching, like you said, with Ryan Day transition, or uh, I mean, or whatever maybe, it could be. Yeah, whatever yeah, it may be. Multitude of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, take ownership of that. That tough love mantra doesn't translate to everyone. No, that's of course only, not. That's the of only. Not. That's the only thing not. that I guess so, I'm, I'm trying to make a point of. It's like Urban Meyer. I don't. 
I don't think you played for him was not the the tough love type of guy. Like he's you know Ryan Day wants his office open all the time. He wants like to go from Urban you bet. Meyer. Listen, listen. If you're a backup player, you come and talk to his office. Good luck. <laughs> what are you doing in here? Get, you are, you're getting who, who, who are you? You're not getting past the bounce. Who you play for? <laughs> yeah, what's Sam, get this oh, guy do, out do, we have a recruiting, do we have a recruiting yeah. trip yeah, today? Yeah. Yo, something. <laughs> hey, this, you look like you can play football. Yeah. Yeah. You look like you might be a player. Yeah, hey, how you doing, Coach Meyer? <laughs> look like you can play. Yeah, you got, coach, you got your I, film on you? Coach, I've been here three years. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Well, okay. Apparently I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong. Oh God, that's a great line. Literally, I was wrong. Who is this guy, Carter? Uh, right, exactly. Oh, how's your mom doing, Carter? No, exactly. So, like, no. it's that. Jay Z's never thing. experienced that with Urban. No, <laughs> Urban doesn't know my name. So I just think that 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 transition to the tough love. You know, the guys that they relied on to be veterans this year were not you know, brought into the, the yeah. culture as the tough love Ryan Day guys. And so to rely on them to be the veterans this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it... it just, well, there was a lot going on in the middle year, beginning of the year defensively. I mean, oh, yeah. geez, we had coaches <laughs> changes. We had all kinds of rotating yeah. in and out guys. I mean, it was nuts. So, yeah. yeah. All right. A lot well, goes into it. it. A lot does. And a lot will go into the year 2022. We are ready for it. It's here. Happy New Year to everybody. Ohio State is the Rose Bowl champion and there's a lot going on. We're going to get into it. We're not going anywhere as Roosters uh, continues to let us hang out in the Letterman Lounge for Letterman Live. Appreciate Jay-Z, Cardale, Bobby, and Spencer for hanging out. I am Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us and watching. We'll see you next week at Roosters. It's a fun, casual joint. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.